Hey there, I'm Natalie Abbott, and this is The Dwell Podcast. At Dwell, we help you memorize one Bible verse every month. On our weekly podcast, we talk about what our verse means, how it's challenging us, and about how the God of the universe wants to connect with us in our daily lives. Welcome back to the Dwell Podcast, everyone. It is your host, Natalie Abbott, and we are talking about God's word today and how important it is, how we need to fix it in our minds and in our hearts, um, that God commands us that. Uh, the verse that we are memorizing and meditating on this month is from Deuteronomy 11, 18a. It says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. And that is God speaking to us telling us, hey, do this. This is important. So how do we do that? And why is it important? And today we are talking with Mark Farr. He is the chief field officer for the seed company. Uh, for those of you who listened in to our episode last week, um, we talked a lot about what the seed company does, and we talked about uh, Bible translation and the importance of it. And I just want to start off, if, if you were with us last episode, then you know I left with this question, and I want to ask you, Mark, welcome back. Thanks, Nellie. Why not Google Translate? Hey, thanks. Great to be back. Yeah. Well, uh, great question. I asked the same question uh, when I started out in Bible translation a while back. Google Translate works off of known language information. Mm -hmm. It knows something about French when it translates your text from English to French. It has to have that resource uh, to work from. And the languages that need translation today, most of them have nothing written in their language ever before. And so ah. not only does Google not have access to that language information, but almost nobody does. Yeah. And so that's part of the that's part of the process is the creation of language information. So, you know, we can hope that someday more of the la largest languages of today would have enough of a corpus of scripture and other documents that something like predictive text or artificial intelligence could make more translation for us, but at this point Google Translator just doesn't have the data to make the decisions. I see. Well, I laugh too because um, back a few years ago, I was mentoring a gal who is a Syrian refugee. And um, so her, she doesn't speak English, very little English. And so I'm tutoring her in English and whatever. And there were a couple of times where we would like be trying to figure out a word for something and we would use Google Translate and it never worked. <laughs> it was always like, the, like sometimes I would say something to her and it would be something very specific about like a doctor's appointment or something, you know, and we're trying to, to get the words right. And it, she would just belly laugh or I would just end up belly laughing. And it, it ended up being more of like a relational tool than an actual functional language tool right. <laughs> because it really, it, it gave us this camaraderie of like, we both understand that this isn't right. <laughs> yeah, but, but she, she was able to probably pull some meaning out of it, but it was probably oh, yeah. out of context or, you know, those kind of things. It's like when you see the machine translation, uh, I used to, I went to a place that was called, uh, I think it was Indone Indonesian fried chicken and mm -hmm. they had done some translation and uh, wow. Yeah. It was just cryptic and 
and right. out of context. So, yep. Uh, yeah. So today I really want to take the big view of the world and the need for having the Bible translated. So our verse says that we need to fix God's words on our hearts and our minds. Why is that so important? Why is it so important to have God's word in our life? For truth, you know, for truth, but more specifically around around why do we need to fix it you know mm. we've got to fix it because we are we are just forgetful people god's made mm -hmm. us so adaptive so uh cued off of what we see with our with our eyes that we've got to fix it so that we don't forget so that we mm. remember um yeah so i mean that's the that's the core and, and easy answer i think of this scripture and and what he says you know right before this verse he's he's saying remember it's not your children that saw the great works of god it, you know it was you that saw the great works. so do something to help you remember so these were people that a lot of times i think we think that well if i just saw if i just saw what the what god did then i would remember these were people that saw that he's talking to and mm -hmm. he's just saying, you saw these miracles, fix them, make sure you don't lose them. I mean, if ever there was a testimony of how forgetful we as a human people are, it's it's right there. So <laughs> we, we've got to do something to, to keep yeah. it in front of us. Yeah, I, the rest of our verse even talks about writing it on your door frames, teaching it to your children when you rise, when you get up. You know, you've got all of these um, ways, you know, I mean, it, with well, even, you know, we do uh, temporary tattoos. So it's, mm -hmm. it's right there. It's on your arm looking at you, helping to remind you, you know, like this is what I'm, this is what I need to focus on. I need to really allow this to, to dwell in my heart and in my mind and to change me. Otherwise, you know, we are just sheep without a shepherd, you know, without God's word. The messages around us are so strong. Mm -hmm. We have to be so intentional to to counteract them. So thanks for all those things. I'm not currently wearing one of those tattoos, but I <laughs> but I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, yeah. It is it's a it is a good way of of um, getting it in front of us. But it it is it's true. Like I just think God's people, us, God's people in the Bible, we're all the same. And mm -hmm. and you're right. We are easily drawn away by very compelling stories, um, the stories that are all around us. And it's hard for us to discern, I think, if we don't have that grounding of God's word helping us to, to say, oh, no, wait, that's, that's not actually the best. That's not the truth, you know? That's right. It runs counter to what I know from God's word. Mm -hmm. So you all at The Seed Company are committed to really accelerating Bible translation right now. Um, and you've partnered with other organizations to do the same thing. Why is it that we need that for people in their native tongues? Like, for instance, let's say I speak um, a tribal language and yet I speak, say, French. And, mm -hmm. and I have both of those languages. Why can't they just read the Bible in French? Yeah, it's the heart. You know, it's the heart. We're trying to, we're trying to, People need to interact with God's word in the language they understand best. And that's not, that's rarely, if ever, your second language. It's usually the language that your mother spoke to you in, that was spoken inside, inside your home. And so 
to see people interact, to, to hear stories of how they interact in their own, in their own languages. Those are the, those are the transformational stories where, where people really come to Christ. Um, and, and you see life change. Uh, I was, I was thinking about a story uh, from Islands Asia. There's this translator named, named Rona. And she tells, she tells a story about transformation that she'll never forget. She said uh, that her and her team had translated the book of Matthew and they went out to the villages uh, to test the book of Matthew to hear people's understanding. And they came to the village of a gentleman named Rafi. He's a rice farmer. Now, Rafi had told his family not to go to church. Uh, it's just a waste of time because it takes us away from from harvesting rice, from being a part of, of bringing food to our family. Now, the, even though he had said this, the family had said, well, you know, sometimes the church gives rice. He said, well, we're, we're independent. You know, we don't, we don't need to go to church and it's just a waste of time. But when they came and tested uh, the gospel of Matthew, they read Matthew five fourteen. Uh, which says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, when Rafi heard you're the light of the world, he was perplexed. You could say just dumbfounded. He, he couldn't understand it. He's a very concrete kind of guy, a farmer. Mm -hmm. And he knew what light meant when it was the sunlight uh, light outside or candlelight inside, but he didn't understand how people could be a light. And he, he wrestled with that. It was in his own language. And even as he thought about it, he even lost sleep a, a night or two. And he realized finally that Jesus meant that being light is the way we live. And it's how we affect others, uh, being light to others. And he realized he didn't have that light. And nor was he the light that Jesus was talking about to others, but he wanted this mm. light in his life and he wanted it to shine on others. So he began studying God's word with the translation team itself, the people who had done the work and he became a believer. Rafi went on to lead his wife to Christ. He went to church to ask the pastor to bless their marriage uh, as a, as a family. And then he and his wife led six other couples to become believers, have their marriages blessed in the church. He became an elder in the church and a well-respected member of the community. Now you think about, you know, how that, how that happened, you know, all those steps from someone that had no time for something like church all the way to being, you know, probably one of the most engaged. And it was because God's word came to him in a language he could easily understand. He could ponder it in his own mind, even in, even in his sleep and think, what is, what would Jesus be meaning by this? So anyway, that was just uh, something that came to mind about the way scripture interacts with, uh, with people in their mother tongue. It's amazing to see the transformations. Yeah, I love that. That's an awesome story. So somebody like Rafi needed to hear, he needed to hear it in a way that he could relate and connect with it. So one of the things that you guys talk about with the seed company is this idea of, of how people who don't have God's word um, have what's called gospel poverty. Mm. Um, can you talk about what is, when you use the, the term gospel poverty, like, what do you mean by that? What does that look mm. like? How can we understand that 
Um, how yeah. can our listeners? Because I had never heard that term until recently, as we um, started being partners with the seed company and and helping with Bible translation. Um, that was the first I'd ever heard it, and I'm like, that's a that is a brilliant way of describing it because it gives you this mm-hmm. just brings image. up an image that's right yeah so mm-hmm. we say sometimes we say bible poverty uh, or scripture poverty uh, gospel poverty it, it's the same uh, i think something in our in our own culture that people can relate that to would be i was thinking of uh you've heard of food deserts have you heard mm-hmm. somebody talking it's a place where you know, fresh food doesn't exist within three to five miles of, of mm-hmm. an individual. That's a, a food desert. And what we're hoping for people in in some of these downtown communities, especially, is to have a food oasis. Now, mm. imagine a truth desert. Now, imagine a place where where truth is not close by, where they can't they can't reach out to a neighbor. They can't reach out even to the next village. Uh, and find truth in any in any level of uh and and you and i know where is truth found you know truth is found in scripture god's spirit works through scripture and to change lives to transform people and what they count on they count on him ultimately rather than Mm -hmm. themselves and so that's a that's a way that just to communicate the absence of truth in a people group and uh it, it represents, you know, uh, on the other side, we know often what's happening there is people living out, they're counting on themselves and on what they do. And, mm. you know, whether it's it's a puja on a daily basis or, or you know, sacrifice to to idols or, or whatever their means of, of acting out in counting on themselves uh, they're they're missing out on the wonderful gift of grace and and truth and uh, the gospel and so uh, that's that's why we talk about it. I guess it's a better, a more succinct image of saying people are without scripture. Uh, but mm. I think it's a it's a gospel desert. It's a truth desert. Yeah, that is a that's a great image. We lived for many years in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and in downtown Harrisburg, there are no grocery stores. There are like you know little corner markets and things like that, um, but really not like the the closest grocery store to downtown Harrisburg is is quite a couple miles out, mm. and. Um, I, I do, you know, like I always shopped at Walmart and I would be at the Walmart and see people who are taking the bus in to go to Walmart. And I'm like, how hard is that to carry your groceries, to come out all that way if you don't have a vehicle and then to have to make your way back into the city? And it's a lot easier to buy the things that are not fresh at the corner market that, you know, has some staples, some, you know, a few things are more expensive but definitely not the the kind of fresh produce that you would get at a bigger real grocery store. Mm-hmm. So I just love that imagery of how how the seed company is providing that kind of an oasis for people. And I love that you call it a truth oasis too, because um, I think sometimes we we are we are so um, biblically saturated as a society from such from our foundations that we don't even realize how other societies that aren't based on a, a Christian mm-hmm. worldview um, from their foundations are just so completely different. That's right. We, we completely take it, take it for granted. We really do. 
We really do. It's it's all it's all around us. Truth is all around us, and we count on something else. Going back to your your food analogy and the reality that sometimes people are speaking uh, multiple languages and could have access in multiple languages. I'm I'm remembering a story and I don't remember where it's from exactly in the world, but a lady after after hearing God's word in her local language, she said, "Oh, it's so sweet." It's so sweet. Always before when I interacted with the with scripture in French, it was like eating a banana with the peel on. But you've unpeeled the fruit in this and it's sweet. And oh, I love I that. Think, that's a that's a great image. I can't imagine eating a banana with the peel on, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds disgusting. Uh, yeah. Oh. Awesome. So good. Well, um, if you have anything that you want to say to our listeners about Bible poverty and uh, maybe how we can get involved, what would be a good first step for somebody who's like, I didn't even realize this? I would say uh, pray. You know, you, you don't need the details. Uh, to mm. pray, uh, I could I can point you to the Seed Company website or the Every Tribe Every Nations uh, website for details. But you know the reality is is your heart broken for the for those that don't have Scripture uh, going before the Lord. I think would be one of the most productive things you could do, and you know call others to pray for the for the Bibleists for those without Scripture. Um, mm. And, you know, live it, live it out in your life. You know, your actions speak loudly about what you value. And so your, your presence at church or Bible study, all those, all those things say, I believe this is where truth is found. And so, I mean, your podcast says that all over it. So if people are, are a part of that, I think that that's encouraging. So praying is a, is a great first step to seeing your heart tied to those that don't have scripture. That is good. And for those of you listening, um, we'll have links for the seed company um, on our podcast information. So if you want to find out more, read a little bit about it, um, be more specific in, in the things that you're praying for. Uh, they, are, they have very detailed uh, descriptions of different countries and the languages and the work that they're doing. Um, so we'll have that. We'll have those links for you to, to check those things out. And uh, we'll be back again next week with Mark Farr. Thank you, Mark, for joining us today. And I'm excited about our next episode. Thank you, Natalie. Hey, thanks for joining us on The Dwell Podcast. You can find out more about us at Dwell Differently on Instagram, Facebook, and at dwelldifferently.com online. We help people connect with God through scripture memory, daily posts, a weekly blog, and of course, this podcast.